All right, raise your hand if you've ever been an employer, officially an employer of people. A few of you. There's maybe a half a dozen hands in the room. Okay, now everybody raise your hand. All together, everyone raise your hand. Say, I am an employer. You're all employers. All of us are employing something in our lives to meet what's coming at us and to meet what we face. So when something difficult happens and our response is anxiety or worry or fear, guess what? We're employing that anxiety or that fear to meet whatever this thing is. So I just want to ask, how's that employee working out for you? Guys, you know I love you. I'm not trying to be heavy. We're just dive, we're going to dive in. There's good stuff today about the peace of God. But these are just like in the face good questions. Yeah, this is what it's this is what's happening. That employee of anxiety or worry. How's it serving you? If you were to give it a performance review, would it get a raise or a promotion? Or would you be like, you are fired right now and done for good? You know you have the chance to do that. You have that option in your capacity. And you have somebody who has many names, one of them being the Prince of Peace, that you can give residence and authority to in your life to say, "Uh uh-uh, no more of this employee. We're not dealing with this anymore. The things that hit you, there's, by default, will have a reaction to things. If we're not intentional and purposeful about our mind space, about where our heart is, and about our spirit, if you're not intentional or purposeful, you'll have default reactions. Right? It's simple. But between that stimulus and the reaction, there's an opportunity for a response. You have the ability to respond the way you choose to respond or the way that in your spirit you believe, right? God responds, the Holy Spirit responds. You have the ability to respond between a stimulus and your reaction to it. And that's your response ability, right? The good news is you're not alone in this. You're not even one iota alone. This is not a burden or a pressure upon you. This is actually a gift that has been given to you in Christ because he paid for all your stuff, all of your stuff, all the things you're in, have been in, and will face. He already paid for that. He took care of it. And the scripture is super clear, even as we learned over these last few months, right, that Christ is in us, that the Holy Spirit Lord in our lives, that he dwells in us. He's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance that we've been given all good things in him, right? There's the scripture, as we'll see for anybody who goes through the New Testament in January, is rich and replete with examples of God's good work in us, not the expectation of your good work to live up to God. 
Amen? That's really important to understand. Because if we come at this thing with the mindset of, okay, now i got to ramp myself up and get this, you defeated yourself before you even start. But if we realize our starting place in Christ actually is in a place of fullness and of peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit, then you get to come at things from a whole different perspective, a whole different approach. It's like doing a 180 and facing the other direction when the wind is blowing, right? All of a sudden, that which was against you is now supporting you. And to flip that metaphor of the wind, so <clears throat> you guys know what a headwind is? Headwind is, is, is a wind that's coming at you. Let's say you're in a plane and you're wanting to take off or you're in the sky, right? A headwind is coming right at you. So in our lives, we hit headwinds, right? Of many forms. It could be financial worries, anxieties, relationships, decisions we got to make, uncertainties about our health or someone in our family's health, uh, spinning thoughts about the way somebody's treated us and how we're going to handle the situation. The list goes on. It's headwinds, it's part of life. Can't control the wind. But you guys know it's actually necessary that, 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 let me rephrase that. Headwinds are helpful for planes and pilots if they learn to respond to the headwinds. It actually gives lift and increases the altitude. So if you learn how to face and address the headwinds, that which actually felt like it stymied you or got you stuck can actually become that which propels you and lifts you up off the ground and out of an earthly perspective and into one that's above the clouds, hey? Isn't that kind of cool? It's kind of cool. And it's really good news because all of us are going to face, again, these headwinds, the challenges, the things that come at us that we're like, ah, crap, right? And, and, and honestly, a lot of what we face is imaginary too because we worry or we fear or we feel uncertainty or doubt about things that may or may not even ever come, Right? Anybody ever experienced that? Am I the only one who's ever worried about stuff that ends up not even happening? Kind of a cruddy way to live, huh? You know, Jesus left a gift for us. He talks about it in John 14. He left the gift of his peace. He was really clear when he said he doesn't give as the world gives. But he said, his peace he leaves with us. I'm going to get to that in just a second. If you could hold on the slide there, Capri. So our answer, we already have an answer. We already have a gift that's in us and that's before us that we can utilize, that we can respond to. And we're going to talk today about what it looks like to live in peace, to live in the Prince of Peace, to have an indomitable peace, to have a resting state of peace. Not only so that stuff that once swirled you no longer has the capacity to do so, but it enables you when, all, when things are going on not to lose your focus on that which is good and right and lovely and beautiful and praiseworthy and true. 
all those things of Philippians 4, 8, right? Wouldn't that be so sweet to just live in that place all the time that no matter what comes down the line, your, your mind, your heart, your spirit are just in that place of all the beauty and the goodness and the glory of Jesus. Isn't that sweet? It's a real place. It's a real place. It's a real place in Jesus. So, today, peace has two states. It has, there's both an active peace and a passive peace. Active peace guards your heart and mind like a sentinel in Christ Jesus. And we see it in Philippians chapter 4. This peace passes understanding because its power is immeasurable and its potency is universal. You can put that slide up, Capri. Thanks. And this peace, this active peace, is not of this world. So this world's faculties lack the ability to process this peace, again, because it surpasses understanding. So what's it here say? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, as Jason was just talking about, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will do what? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You can leave that up for now. Is, is guard an active term or a passive term? I believe in this case it's active. Peace, active peace like a sentinel. A sentinel is like a watchman, a guard, someone, someone who is who is ready and prepared, looking out for anything that might try to cross the boundary or to come in to do harm. So there's an active peace in our lives, a a place of response, a place that we step into, a way of being and a learning of walking with God to, no, peace is going to guard my heart and my mind right now. My heart's not going to go into a tumult of emotions and overwhelm, and my mind's not going to bounce around and get distracted and get locked into something. Passive peace. Now, passive peace is akin to the peace that Jesus left with the disciples, which I mentioned earlier in John 14. And let's read what he said in uh, John 14. Jesus said to them, this is right towards the end before he gets crucified in those few chapters, of his uh, final hours with the apostles. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Can we can just point out here that Jesus gives a command, and let's not think of command as, if you don't do this, I'll be mad at you, more of like a, a strong directive. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it. Don't let it be fearful. But before he gives that, that uh, directive, what does he do first? He gives a gift. He leaves something with us. You think maybe those two things are tied in, right? If he's left peace with us and his peace he's given to us, then we can act on and we can respond in that to not let our hearts be troubled nor let it be fearful. It's possible You guys, it's possible. It's not um, some high and lofty thing that's unattainable for the average person. It's actually normal life in Christ Jesus. It's a gift of God. It's for all the children of God who've been adopted 
by Jesus. It's for all of us. And he makes a distinction. He makes a distinction saying, I don't give as the world gives. Why? Why does he make that distinction? Well, worldly peace has a a connotation of if these things are in order, I can be settled. Worldly peace also says if everything's going okay, then I'm okay. I'm at peace. Worldly peace says if there's no war, if there's no conflict, if there's no contention, then I get to have peace. So the world's idea of peace, it's transient, which means it comes and goes. It's circumstantial, and it's unpredictable. Do you guys think the promises of God are transient, circumstantial, or unpredictable? No. Thank God. Do you think what he's given us in Christ as a gift is transient, circumstantial, or unpredictable? No. So Jesus' peace is literally the ultimate antithesis of the world's peace because his peace is pervasive, which means it gets in and, and gets through everything in our lives. It's extreme, it's steady, and it's continuous. It's unbroken. It's like a river that flows and flows and flows and flows, a spring that does not run dry. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for giving us your peace. Thank you. So, in John 14, when Jesus left this, gave this as a gift, he used I statements because he's acknowledging that this is his peace, for he is Lord and administrator of it. We'll jump into Isaiah in a bit, but again, he's literally called the Prince of Peace by the prophet Isaiah. Jesus is Lord and administrator of his peace. He has full authority and ability at all times. He keeps it all on, turned on consistently. Can we put up the, um, actually, let's hang on that. You can leave, you can, uh, you can take that down for a sec, Capri. Nope, changed my mind. I like it. Can you put Isaiah back up there? You should just follow your lead. How about that? You just flow with the Spirit and I'll follow. That was good. You're on it. Do you guys think Jesus does a good job ruling his kingdom? Think he knows what he's doing? You think he's confident in his authority? You think he's stable and steady in who he is? You think he has any problem exercising his power and his rulership? He has any qualms with that? No. No, he's like the epitome of self-confident, assured, has his mindset. He's not changing it. So if you have him as a prince of peace, as a ruler, and that rulership in your life, is there ever a moment when, his, when that rule is in question? It's a freebie. The answer is no. You guys get that one.
It says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. He's really good at his job. <laughs> As Prince of Peace, he's really good at his job. And there's a, there's a continuous invitation and place of habitation in Jesus to, to live in and under the rulership of his peace. Just like every other area of Jesus' lordship in our lives. It's a place that we can abide. We can abide in him. That's so much in John, right? Uh, at the end of John, he goes on to talk about abiding in him, bearing much fruit, that apart from him, we can do nothing over and over again, abiding in him. The rulership of his peace is a place we can joyfully abide. And when I was preparing, working through this, Jesus said this to me. I think it's the next slide, Capri. There isn't a matter or happenstance that my peace isn't prepared for or that my peace is challenged by. The rich rulership of my peace is utter and complete. Let's stop there for a sec before asking that question. A happenstance is like a, a random occurrence or a coincidence, something that just seems like it comes out of nowhere, right? Or how did, the, you know, how did this happen? Nothing comes into your life that Jesus and his peace isn't prepared for or that his peace is challenged by. Your peace might be challenged by it. My peace, right? Depending on where I'm sourcing it. Or maybe I'm just not really sourcing it in the time, right? But there's no question. It's utter and complete. And then he said, now why is it that my saints aren't always steeped in my peace? Gosh, that's a really good question, right? If these things are true, and they are, his word's true. Jesus' very own words are true. Why are we not always steeped in his peace? It's funny, as soon as he asked me that, I saw a picture of a tea bag, just getting dunked and just sitting there. And this is like a mason jar, sitting, not moving. <clears throat> and everything, it just began to, you know, you know how tea does, right? If it's, it gets darker and darker and darker and until it gets to almost sometimes so dark, you're like, dang it, I left the tea bag in there way too long. This is gonna taste gross. <laughs> Sitting steeped in his peace, practicing his presence, and allowing this peace to permeate and saturate all things in your life, like a way too long steep tea bag. It should be so steeped that it's almost like its flavor is too much to process, although in this instance, it doesn't taste bitter or off because of this super steeping but rather its heavenly richness and pungency is on full display in our lives. So I think I would suggest that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is something we can intentionally steep in. We can place ourselves in. 
we can respond to God in such a way as to be practicing his presence, practicing his peace, practicing thanksgiving, so that it can permeate and saturate all things in our life. This part of passive peace, because if, picture this, active peace in the situation responds in the moment. Passive peace is like an undercurrent, an undertone in your life that there's a certain level of how much it's always there, right? If we wait to practice his peace until the stuff hits us, oh, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be rough stuff. Can anybody say amen? <laughs> I've been there so many times, you guys. And please hear that. Because I'm sure you know this, but this isn't me as master. I've been here so many times, and yet I love the journey of learning with Jesus how to live in his peace. But if the passive peace level in our lives is, is is so full as to not allow room for anything else in the cup of our soul, then we stand a much greater chance of being resistant to that which would steal our time and our focus and our attention and our affections, Right? So it's a, bit of, it's a bit of a job, but it's a good job. It's a joyous job. It's actually a much better way to live. As you practice it, at first it feels foreign and uncertain, and it's so easy to kind of snap back into our, whatever our ways may be, wherever we lack peace and whatever the symptoms of our lack of peace are. For most of us, it's been that way for so many years in our lives because we probably haven't known any better that it's easy to just snap back into that. So there's a deliberate kind of leaning into this Jesus's peace, steeping in his peace over and over and over again until so much of it begins to fill the cup that it literally replaces or even displaces the old stuff. And the new is that whenever we pick up the cup is what we taste, right? The bitter of the old is gone. There's some, there's some practice here. And man, I am telling you, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard stuff. I've practiced for many years leaning into this piece, and it's probably really the last five years, I would say, that it's been really significant and astounding place of peace in my life. So things hit me that would have used to like totally throw me off. Don't just kind of feels like a speed bump, which is amazing. It's so incredible. Like <laughs> being traumatized by life absolutely sucks. And peace is absolutely wonderful. It is literally the best thing to hit turbulence and be like, I'm good. (laughs) It really is. It's so beautiful. It is absolutely 1,000% worth the practice to practice peace. And it feels hard at first, but as you get along and you look back, you go, wow, this was easier than I thought. A little weird how that works, huh? But you go, gosh, Lord, it shouldn't be this easy. He's like, yeah, it's all by grace anyway, right? You can live in remarkable peace that protects you, that guards you, like a sentinel that says no, that says heck no, to the plans and the purposes of the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
to spin you, to throw you. There was a time, um, maybe about 10 years ago, and oh, we were so dirt poor. I like, I just, I was living on pennies and the, and the grace of God. <laughs> and we were driving a super old car, but it was paid off. And I was like, praise God. I don't have to worry about a car payment because I don't, there's no extra dimes in the bucket left to pay for one anyway. And uh, we were in this season, we were trying to get into a home. We didn't have money yet for a deposit or rent. And it was just like, okay, this is crazy. So we were staying with some friends. Um, it was a challenging time. But I remember, I was like, hey, let's go, let's go to the store. So we jump in our van. I'm backing up. They have a steep driveway. I'm backing up the driveway. And then up the road goes up as we get out of the driveway too. And then as I go into drive to take off, I hear this gnarly, <laughs> Let me try that again. No, I'm just kidding. I can't remember. <laughs> that wasn't very good, but, you know, you win some, you lose some. Keep swinging. There was a little, another freebie right there, too. Anyway, this crazy noise. And I knew instantly. I just knew. I don't know if it's because something in my, what, my brain with the sound or something in just like, I, I just had a knowing this is the end. <laughs> this is the absolute end. In that moment, the very next moment after that thought, I had a choice, just like we all do. I could let that throw me into a tailspin of anxiety, of oh no, of oh, what am I going to do? Or I could respond to God. I could respond to his presence, what he was going to do, knowing that his rulership is in my life and he's good and he's for me and not against me. And his plans are to prosper me and not to harm me. Because that doesn't change. So here's what I did. I threw up my hands and I said, Hallelujah, we're getting a new car, let's go. <laughs> I had no idea where it was going to come from, but I chose in my spirit I'm going to rejoice in God. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to celebrate what God is up to because my father is good and he loves me. And there's a chance. There's a place. There's an opportunity. There's an offering of peace right here in this moment now. Not after worrying about it for 24 hours. Not after calling five other people to pray for me. Not after, you know, running into whatever my vice is to try to like escape it, right? Let me pull that back. That's not judging anybody. Hear me. Is it wrong to call people to pray for you? That's not what I'm saying. Let's not go there. What I am saying is, it didn't even need all the stuff. It was just a choice. It's just, it's that simple, you guys. It's that simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. And there's grace upon grace upon grace to do it. And to practice it again and again and again. Fall off that bike as many times as you need to. Jesus is always there. Get you back on it and say, you got this. Let's try again. Let's try again. Let's try again. We got this. So don't get discouraged. In that moment, I celebrated. I rejoiced. And if I'm honest, worry and anxiety and concern about that over the next month was like, it was so minimal. 
which was a miracle in my life. Because, guys, I've lived most of my life up to that point, and even after that, still working through it, most of my life being prone to anxiety, worry, concern, doubt, uncertainty. That was like my way of life. It was a constant undertone in my life. And at any moment, something could spark a thought or an emotion that would send me back into that place of just worry or anxiety. It's something silly, something super silly, right? That, does, that doesn't even have any bearing in reality. It just could, a false imagination, but it could send me into just, ah, which was an indicator that passive peace was not really at work in my life, right? Because the passive piece is that, how are you doing on a day-to-day basis? Not when, every, not when something hard comes, but just on a day-to-day basis. Are you feeling any anxiety, worry, uncertainty, a little bit of fear? Maybe just a, a general feeling that it's not going to be okay, or you're not sure if it'll be okay. That's from the dark side. It doesn't actually belong in a believer's life. It's not the way that the sons and daughters of God live. But it is the way that (laughs) most of us have experienced in a lot of ways, right? Because we're figuring this thing out. And sometimes we just don't know what we don't know or we're on the journey of practicing it. Sometimes we just need someone to tell us, practice it. You got this. (laughs) I'm here telling you, practice it. You got this. There's nothing special about the formula or the discovery or the brain power, or the uh, emotional sturdity. That's made up that word, I think, but that I like it. There's nothing special about what I did other than just responding to Jesus, believing. Scripture talks about a joy and peace in believing. God, simple stuff. Aren't you so glad it's simple? Thank you, Jesus for my sake at least, for making it so simple. It's pretty sick. At the end of that month, we basically ended up with my dream vehicle that was mind-blowing. I had no business driving. It was way nicer than anything I expected. I had been looking on the market for over 12 months, and there was nothing like it, especially at that price point. It was just, it didn't make sense. And literally, the day before I bought it, the Lord said to me, Michael, we're going down to Santa Barbara to Graham Chevrolet, which doesn't exist anymore. We're going to Graham Chevrolet because your truck is there. And I kind of, I like think I laughed. So maybe felt a little like Sarah when, you know, Abraham and Sarah, when God's like, you're going to have a child. And Sarah's like, <laughs> you know, I probably sounded just like that. And I was like, Lord, I have literally been looking. There is nothing there. And of course, he's just silent, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. It's, let God be proved right and every man a liar. You're probably right, God. Probably know what you're talking about. Now, we do hear God may be wrong sometimes. So, you know, grace for that, right? Like, oops, maybe that wasn't the Lord. This was the Lord, though. So I got up, and uh, I won't go into the details of it, but just suffice it to say, it was this crazy, radical promise, this unbelievable blessing, and it ushered in a season of things for our family that I never even thought possible that we'd get to do. 
That's another story for another time, but it's a rich, beautiful one. In that place. So what if I, oh man. I put my faith, I put my trust in God. I responded. I celebrated his goodness. He was on it the whole time. He knew it was up. Look how much mental, emotional energy I could have and would have wasted in this thing. Let me ask you a question. The mental and emotional expenditure on active worries and concerns or passive worries and concerns, how's it serving your relationships? How's it serving your focus? How's it serving your expectation of God's goodness and his kindness and his favor in all things? These are good questions to ask because they help center us. What's actually going on here? And Papa, what must... What does this mean? What must I do? Right? Those two simple questions and acts. What does it mean, Lord? What must I do? Sometimes the questions hit us hard, but it's like, wait, no, this is a really good question. Wait a minute. Why am I having this response? Why am I allowing this to mess with me? What if you don't have to allow it to mess with you? What if you have total authority and permission and liberty in Jesus to say, heck no, to this stuff? I think you do. I think you do. I think we all do. I just say, please, 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 please don't feel judged. And don't feel down on yourself if this area is hard for you. Please don't feel that way. Please don't feel weighted. Please don't feel condemned. Please don't feel like you're just not getting it. Please don't feel that way. That is like doubling up on the bad stuff. That's the enemy, just trying to throw a bunch of burdens and stuff on you. Say, see, you're not going to get this. You just, you're no good at this. Don't listen to that stuff. Listen to the voice of the one who loves you, who knows his plans for you, who's confident of his grace in your life, and who's immeasurably patient, crazy patient. He's not going to lose his patience with you. I really don't think the Father's going to lose his patience with you in 99.9% of circumstances. You know, <laughs> I really don't think he's going to lose his patience with you. You think he expected you to do better? <laughs> like he doesn't know you, right? Like he doesn't know you. He knows. Did he not know what he's getting himself into? When he agreed, when he covenanted himself to you, to be for you and not against you all the days of your life, to be with you. 
somebody I like. <clears throat> a guy named Graham Cook said uh, one time, he said, Beloved, God is never disillusioned with you because he never had any illusions in the first place. Right? He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where you are. You don't think he's timelined this thing? He's like, here's my gift to you, Christine. And then he turns and he kind of laughs. Holy Spirit, that's going to take 10 years. Right? Sometimes that happens. It just happens. It just takes us time. It just takes us time. Yeah. Blessing and grace and peace in your life in Jesus' name. And stepping into more than you thought possible, Christine, by God's goodness and the gift of his grace in Jesus' name. You guys get it. He just knows. He knows, he knows. Again, it's simple. Bring it back. Wait a minute. This is too confusing. This is too complex. He knows. He sees the end from the beginning. There's no matter or happenstance that happens he's not prepared for or challenged by. So guess what? Because you're in Christ, if you're a believer, you're in Christ, and Christ is in you, I think maybe that means that there's no matter or happenstance that can oh, I started that sentence off wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like that you can't not not can't be that you can't be prepared for or challenged by. I mean, it's good news. It's good news. It's got to be good news, right? It's got to be good news, this stuff. It's got to be flabbergasting. It's got to almost sound like malarchical balderdash. Cod swallop. You guys like what I did there? Not really. <laughs> All right. All right, all right. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Holy Spirit. Let's see you guys. You guys know I love you. You guys know I love you. Stuff's, it's only weighty in the best way, right? If it feels heavy, sometimes it's not God, or it is God in the best way, and it gets to just oh, sit on us in the best way. I just encourage you, just let it sit on you in the best way. Like, man, this is how I want to live my life in Jesus. I want to live in a rich, passive peace that's like a stream always going by the shores of my soul, filling it with light and life and goodness and beauty and joy and peace and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. And an active peace that says, uh-uh, I'm not letting this happen. I am not going down that road. I am not reacting to this with all the negative feelings because that's just, that stuff's of the enemy. It's no help to me. I'm staying in that place where my heart, my mind is guarded in Christ Jesus. Just keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing. 
Keep practicing. All right, let's wrap this thing. Um, I want to leave you guys with one, one practice to implement. If the Holy Spirit shows you something else in addition, go with it. Have fun with it. I'm going to leave you with one practice, something that I've inherited and have built up over time with the Lord. There are these scriptures, Psalm 91, verse 4, and Psalm 41, verse 1 through 3. And these are scriptures, hold off on reading that, stick with me here. These are scriptures that I've recited and have pressed into for some time. They were gifts from the Lord, inheritance words. And the practice of pressing into these has built the reservoir of peace and protection of the safekeeping of God in me so completely full that it spills over to others and it keeps me serene pretty much at all times in this area. And then others have said in this place, they feel peace being around me and that my mere presence and persona helps quell their own anxieties and helps them live their own lives of peace in this area. That's, you know, it's God's good work in me pouring over in someone else, but that's part of the testimony too. This thing's not just about you. It's about all the others in your life that it gets to spill over to as well. And that's some rich winning right there. Those are some mega wins and it feels real good. Feels real good. Right, Matt? So this area, before we, we ask the Holy Spirit, and Manny, do you mind coming up to uh, play for a couple minutes? Are you still here? There he is, my man. Manny. Dude, how amazing was that keyboard playing earlier? It was beautiful. Um, I just want to say, I'll, I'll make this short. The area of my life, for some reason, I was always fearful, especially after having kids, but even in my own life, of just something bad happening. Some trauma happening, some, usually some like an event of like them getting injured or them getting in a crash or somebody attacking them or hurting them or abusing them or falling out of a tree or and I was always just like no no no, don't step there no no don't do that thing no no don't touch that it was just always this like anxiety and fear that was literally living in passive anxiety and fear about something bad is going to happen and it was a makes me want to say a curse word crappy way <laughs> to live. It's super sucked. Because, beloved, if you have anxiety, worry, fear, doubt, or uncertainty in your life, it will crop up and solely the things that you care about and you hold dear. That's just what happens. It will affect your quality of life. It will affect your relationships. It will affect good things in your life. There's grace to cover that. We all make the mistake. I know. Again, don't bear the weight and burden of this in a bad way. Just let it call up your spirit to realize, yeah, I don't want this in my life. The Lord gave me these scriptures. Psalm 91.4, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. For years, anytime I see a feather, I've been picking it up 
And I just hold it up and I praise God and I pray Psalm 91.4 over me, over my family, over those I care about. I've done this probably 400 times. No exaggeration. And I picture it. His wings, his feathers covering us and his faithfulness like a shield that's impenetrable all around us and a bulwark, which is like a high defensive wall that no one and nothing can breach or get over. And I've seen it in my mind, I've seen it in my spirit, I've believed, I've confessed it over and over and over and over again so many times that that passive place is so full it has to burst out into other people's lives. It's so secure for me. And Psalm 41, the Lord will protect him and keep him alive and he shall be called blessed upon the earth and do not give him over to the desire of his enemies. <clears throat> I've lived in that as well and prayed that many, many, many times. This is truth to me. This is a solid rock of truth in my life. And the places that were once destructive, the places where there was once lack, where there was all kinds of negative emotions that kept stringing me out to dry, has now become a rich, lovely, beautiful, fertile place of God's goodness and a centered place of trust and peace. That's secure in my life. And I love it. I absolutely love it. This journey has been absolutely worth it. So, we're going to take a minute, because we only got about a minute here before the... We want to bring the worship team back up? Yeah. We're going to take a minute, and um, in this minute, you just keep playing, just Manny. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit for one place, just one. Let's just focus on one thing right now. One thing that's a source of anxiety or fear, uncertainty, one area. I'm just going to ask him for one thing. Just let him call something to mind, whatever comes up in your heart. And then we're going to ask him for a scripture, a promise about it. And let's do a scripture. Let's be really specific. If, if he gives you something that you're not even sure is a scripture, but you know it's the Lord, that's fine. But let's really, let's grab a scripture because there's something about the immovable word of God that's really powerful and potent in our lives. And if you want to take mine, you can take mine. But I'm going to pray for you to get some of your own right now too. So we're going to take this minute or two, close our eyes. I'm going to pray over you and then just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. What is that area? Give me a scripture. If you don't get a scripture right away, it's okay. Just be on the lookout because it's coming your way. Holy Spirit, I love you. I love your ways. I love your kindness and your goodness, your faithfulness and your intentionality, your devotion to bringing forth all the good things of the Father and of Jesus in our lives. I release now in Jesus' name, I release your peace, your permeating peace, shalom, the anointing, Lord, of a, your still soul. In Jesus' name. And uh, would you speak to us right now, Holy Spirit? Speak to us that one thing with your promise along with it.